Welcome to episode 56 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. Wait, wasn't that last week? Oh, come on, son. You weren't even here for that sweet Spider-Man goodness. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, back in the co-captain's chair, Ian Sharpley. Hi, everybody! And back in the... Who do you want to be? You want to be Chekhov? You want to be Sulu? Why am I not a co-captain? Well, I like to think of us as all co-hosts. Who's yeah. the co-captain of the Enterprise? The co-captain? Yeah. Ahura. Isn't... Who? Do you want to be a, that sweet chocolate love? Yeah. And the Ahura of the McSauce comic book podcast, <laughs> Matt Cassell. What's up, yo? White is the devil. It is white. Monday, May 12th. Ian is back from a Dominican Republic vacation. See, we're here to talk Ian's thoughts on Spider-Man 2. We're going to talk something else that you told me about earlier, and we're going to talk some image comic books. What was that middle thing? Um, the Gotham, Gotham trailer. And I want the guys at that old comic smell to remember this right now when they say, yeah, they're pretty organized. We're not. It's fallacy. We think on our feet well. What's we really funny is well. Paul said when, when the light goes red, it's go time. He's right. It's He's nothing time. but professional. I am professional. I am bringing excitement. Behind, behind the scenes, folks, this mopey son of a bitch, before we turned the light on, was, oh, woe is me. Matt did an admirable job cleaning house he did. last week. Did you feel sad when you heard Matt? No, it was good. House. It was I a little was, different. I was excited. The house was spotless. It was a little different, but there are more than one way to clean a house. But over the last seven days, alas, it's dirty again. So who do we call on? Sharply puts on a white glove, runs his finger along the surface to find the dust. That's what he's here for, to clean it up. Clean that house, son. Digital dust. That's what I'm good at cleaning. It's good to be back for my vacation. Glad you guys didn't burn this podcast down without me. No way. We had Fireman Yossi. Dominic. Dominic can be Chekhov. Yeah. Dom would say something like nuclear vessels. Yeah. Mm. Or he's <laughs> kind of. He's also kind of like Scotty too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I give him some Scotty. Yeah. Yeah. Some Montgomery J. Scott. Get that cat a red shirt. Oh, he's not cannon fodder. Oh. Dom's a valued asset to the McSauce team. That's true. Dylan Mahaffey is cannon fodder. Oh, <laughs> we're going to hear about Woo! Bring it eat. And how you can tell that Dom is part of this closely knit team is by going to McSauce.com, checking out the strips, the reviews, and this lovely podcast on Wednesdays. You can find us on the Facebook page. Like us. Love us. Give us feedback. We got some nice feedback today. Ooh. We did. Yes, we did from Darcy Mahaffey. Oh, comment I feel bad. Commenting on uh, the bet that me and young Matt over here have. The infamous bet. The infamous bet. Uh, it's looking pretty <laughs> bleak, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But you can go to the Facebook page. You can leave us your feedback. You can give us... We also, this week... Uh, polled some people for some thoughts about what they wanted to hear on the show. You can always help us develop the show and build the show with things that you want to hear us talk about. Because if we had our way, we would talk about Todd McFarlane each and every episode. (laughs) I gotta tell you, Matt, 
when you brought up the name Bonnie Rotten before we started recording. Pre-show. And said she had spider webs tattooed on her tits. I was immediately repulsed. Now that I see them, I'm interested. I'd probably put my mouth on those. Yeah, that's a nice hand right in her asshole, though. <laughs> that's what we do that's, behind the scenes on the McSauce it's like, podcast. And I mean, like, that's... I wonder if Mr. Fantastic has an elastic asshole quite like Bonnie Rodgers. Where Rod. do you see that? Right there, Where's man. Right there. Is that just a giant penis? Or no, that's a, a fucking hand, I think dude. It's a, I think it's a condom. Oh, yeah, those are he, testicles. Is it? Yeah, that's not From a this rare. angle, it looks like a hand. That, those are balls. Is that is that not... That's, that's a dick. Is it? Oh my god, that's a big dick. <laughs> so it says the black guy. Yeah, yeah, you know it's big if he says it's big. Yeah, look out. So body rotten, everybody. Check that out. <laughs> Other plugs that we would like to uh, talk about tonight. Of the, of the non-butt variety. <laughs> Segway. Look out. Um, if you missed me last week, I know you did. I read your fan mail. Um, it was it was like an avalanche whenever I got him. They're like, oh no, where did Charlie go from the mix-on? Don't worry, don't worry. You can also hear me on More Than You Can Chew. The past two episodes, we talked about feminism and race and drugs. All the serious subjects we don't preach here on the mix podcast. Exactly. And I am the, I'd like to say, unofficial ambassador of the mix brand. Bringing in... All the other people from all the other corners of the uh, podcast podcastosphere. <laughs> Pod- podcast verse. Podcast verse. He's a little rusty, folks. He missed a week. <laughs> podcastosphere. I like that. It sounds ridiculous. Sauce lexicon. Podcastosphere. Tiff hosted a roundtable with me, Ryan from Fireside Chat, and Annie. Two episode um, broken into two different episodes. So go to iTunes, download, and subscribe to More Than You Can Chew. You can also get in touch with Tiff on Twitter at TiffMThinks and uh, leave her some reviews and some love. Tonight we're going to get into what I thought about Amazing Spider Man since I missed out on. Uh, your thoughts when yeah, yeah. you guys want. We covered this last week. Let's get this over with. Oh, Jesus. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm I'm, kidding. I've been very eagerly anticipating Sharpley's thoughts on this. Uh, I think going in, Ian was one of the bigger champions of the movie, although he did give it the old polynomics a week before. It was a little low with a couple sixes, I believe. Um, did it surpass your double six expectations? No. Oh, did it did it meet them? It met them. Huh. I would give it a six as my rating. Sp- Amazing Spider-Man Two was a really great movie. And Spider-Man's uh, your guy. Spider-Man's my guy. Yeah, Spider-Man. Peter Parker is your Hal Jordan, your Green Lantern. Yes, yes. Uh, you've got a lot of fucking Spider-Man shit to review over the years. Unlike the sparse, uh, you know, media that Green Lantern's had. So, Amazing Spider-Man 2, mm-hmm. your guy. Yeah, he was my, he's my guy. Was? No, Did I is, was? is, is, is my guy. My wedding, I wore Spider-Man a t-shirt under my tux. I love Spider-Man, I love Peter Parker. 
This movie was a great representation of Spider-Man. I think it was the best cinematic version of Spider-Man in costume. It was a great love story. You mean it was it was the best look or the best personality? Look, look portrayal, all of everything. It. Everything. Okay. okay. Um, it was the the love story between Gwen Stacy and Ferris Bueller was excellent as well. Oh, come on now. He was a little too, and you guys touched on it yourselves. He was the popular kid. I. Now that you mention it. Had he addressed the camera, I'd have been like, all right, that's totally not out of place whatsoever. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, while I don't have the problem that Matt has with it, and I understand why you have a problem with it, because essentially it it undercuts the, the, um, the feeling that he gets by putting the mask on and the bravado that being Spider-Man brings to him. He's the same dude. In and out of the costume. So would that make Alan Ruck's Cameron Fry the Harry Osborn of the Ferris Bueller boy, Spider-Man do, boy, crossover? Do, boy, do I wish that he was as well acted as Cameron. Oh. Fuck was... This is where I disagree with both. I, I understand. Dane DeHaan... Uh, well, well, let me... I'll, I'll get to that in a second here. Can I, can I chime in for a second? Certainly. I should I should preface this with I saw the Amazing Spider-Man a second time. Okay. Uh, the, the sequel, part two. I saw it again this weekend, mm-hmm. and I came away feeling a little differently than I did after the first one. Much like I did after I saw Captain America two, a second time. Um, while I stand by my criticism that there is not enough of a dichotomy between Peter Parker and Spider-Man right. in this. I think it's a little more prevalent than I was giving it credit for being. It, it's it's not nearly as strong as it should be, but it is there. I, I just watching it once, it felt like he was the same exact dude in costume, outside of costume. I didn't have a major problem with it because he's fucking charming. I like he, that he was he he was, he was charming, but he wasn't exactly funny as I, Peter Parker. Yeah, you, yeah, you don't think so? Not not. Publicly, no. No? No. I mean, like, cutesy. Even whenever he rolled up on stage, it was Cute. like, hey, I'm late. Not, not the way that he was. like the fawn. He, hey. was, he was legit funny as Spider-Man. Right. And I would agree with you completely. That was the best portrayal of Spider-Man, visually, uh, personality-wise, humor, all that stuff. Just even little, little beats throughout the movie. The fireman scene where he has the fireman hat and he's high fiving the guys. You don't like that? No, no. no I love. Oh, okay. I love the fireman hat. I loved it. That said, Spider Man to me. That was silly and fun and whimsical, and that's the universe that Spider Man inhabits. That's why I think we like Spider Man because it's a little silly. It's not to be clear. Serious space cops. Bullshit. I had. Hey, no. <laughs> To be clear, I had no problem with anything Andrew Garfield did in or out of the Spider-Man costume. I am 100% invested in what he does with the character. Except for when he showed up at graduation. Except when he showed up at graduation. Which, looking at it a second time, with a much more critical eye taking into account all the criticisms that we had at it, I think we were a little bit harsh in general. Um... 
They they were legit criticisms. They were there. I enjoyed the way he played Peter Parker in both films that he was in. I liked it. It was it was fun. It wasn't Peter Parker from any version of the book that right. we've read or right. any cinematic version or any cartoon, but I still like that Peter Parker. Skater or it, no? It's, Thrasher shirt yeah, or no? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I'm starting to sway. I, he really won me over in this one versus the first one, which I still need to re-see. Yeah. But – I feel way less critical now than I than I did before, and I do think that this was a s- substantially better performance as Spider-Man and Peter Parker, and also a better movie. It was a solid performance. Emma Stone was also excellent. She was adorable. she was even better than so the first we- one. Ian, you loved Emma Stone. Matt, you said she was better than the first one. I've always liked Emma Stone. No, no, no. She was better in the sequel than in the second one. I, I agree with that. I heard criticism yesterday. That Emma Stone is a terrible actress. Emma Stone sucks. Who said that? I guess it doesn't matter. Well, it doesn't matter. matter. It doesn't matter. But they're wrong, so. No uh, one that you guys know. Uh, it's, it's fine. I, I, I found that criticism, like, I was floored because I have never heard <laughs> hatred of I've Emma never Stone heard. like that before. Emma Stone can, higher against her. Emma Stone can do silly frat comedies. She can do big blockbuster action films, and she can do serious literature I think that she's Emma Stone a great has actress. that thing about her where she's just she's just very likable. Mm-hmm. She seems and whatever she does yeah. on camera, off camera, she she seems like such a normal girl, such a very likable girl. She has that Jennifer Lawrence quality about her. And if you're going to critique her acting in this movie, I think she did a really good job. Like her and Andrew Garfield or the the standouts of the movie as they should have been because they were the two leads. Yeah, that and that romance really brought you in. The way that she played that, she was an adorable girl. She was intelligent. She was the way that she was somebody that you couldn't stay away from, and eventually would that would get her killed. But you could see why Broke my he heart. couldn't he couldn't say no. Broke my heart. It was super sad. I I was surprised. I might cry right now like Kevin Smith does on his podcast. (laughs) I was surprised, but only at the beginning of the movie when they completely telegraphed what was going to happen at the end with her speech as valedictorian. It was 100% clear that they were going to kill her from the first second of the movie. Yeah, but the thing that I would say is that people know stuff. If you know the Spider-Man mythos, you know that Gwen Stacy bites it. And you knew they weren't going to keep her around for a third one. But like, do you think that the filmmakers might be make a bold choice and maybe go away from maybe, that? That's what maybe, I thought. Maybe. maybe I'm the dummy on the McSauce podcast. But I wasn't sure. Because at the very end, and you know, spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen it yet. Shame on you for not seeing it this she's weekend. She's falling the first time. And it doesn't look like Peter's going to catch her. And I'm like, holy... Sh-. And then Peter catches her, and I'm like, oh, they're not going to kill her. They're going to keep her around for another movie. But then, eventually, they kill her. But I wasn't sure they weren't going to keep her around, because they bumped Mary Jane out of this movie. She was cast, she filmed scenes, and they cut her out. What so do you I suppose, thought, okay, maybe they're going to keep thank God, around again. Thank God they didn't cram that in oh, that movie, Jesus. because that would probably have taken away from the the really great part of the movie, which was the love story. If you had Mary Jane in there, I can only imagine what that would have done. And we'll get back to that, because I'm not done yet.
Welcome back to the McSauce Podcast. After a successful pizza break, let's do a pizza count, starting with Ian Sharpley. Oh, fat times in Sharpleyville. Fat Monday. Six. Oh, my God. Six pieces. Super hungry. We didn't even order that much pizza. But we did have that much I was about to take a bite out of mine, and I closed my eyes. I was ready to just sink into it, and then, like, next thing I know, Sharpley yanks it out of my hand. And I bit nothing. I bit my tongue. <laughs> it was Clank like your teeth together. Yeah. It was like Lady in the Tramp, where he went to go by, and it was my nose. Because uh, I had eaten all his that pizza. That was unpleasant for me. <laughs> I had eaten all his pizza. I had five pieces of pizza, because pineapple was on one of them, and that's kind of healthy for you. Way to spin that, <laughs> sir. As opposed to the other stuff I eat on a regular basis. I... Like, like three and talk three about breakfast pieces. and double downs. I had a lot three of three and three quarters pieces on vacation. I, I had a lot of pineapple without pizza, so healthy. In mm-hmm. your face. You were due. You were due for six pieces. You were probably starving on vacation. I kind of was. The food wasn't empty, all that good. All down those there. empty beer calories. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. A lot well, of what uh, beer the, were you drinking down there? El Presidente. <laughs> Cerveza. No, that's more what importantly. I was that their was that the beer of choice down there? Yeah, that's like their official that's their big time beer. El Presidente. But I also so had you a, couldn't get like Soul down there? Mm, you could get Budweiser, but El Presidente was good. No one likes Budweiser. The Clydesdales don't like Budweiser. No, they really don't. I was drinking a drink most of the time called Miami Vice, which I don't even remember what was in that, but it was good. You were a damn straight Tums. I guess so. To my Crockett. I like it. Matt's like the CI. <laughs> That's who you are. And then McSauce Miami Vice you. Oh. What kind of drink does Mary Jane like to drink, do you think, in Spider-Man 3 that she might be in? A cocktail. Oh! I don't know. I mean, I guess they're going to have to put Mary Jane in Spider-Man 3. Boy, was I'm it... sorry, The Amazing The Spider-Man Amazing 3. Spider-Man 3. Boy, was it a sad time after they killed off Gwen Stacy. I, I, they could have tried to turn it around and maybe have her still live, even after they did the whole falling, front, you know, falling and getting her ne- neck snapped or hitting her head on the ground or whatever that debate she was about. She got fucked up. Yeah, they could still kind of maybe try to have her live or something, but... It's probably better that they just killed her right there. I don't know how her head wasn't paced. Yeah, seriously. If her head hit the ground like that, wouldn't Peter have come down, cradled her head, and it would have just been oatmeal dripping through his fingers? Like It was just enough. Just enough. Just, just enough. enough of a, of a just blow. He, he caught her just enough with that little spider hand. Yeah. He, he caught her just to kill her barely. I liked all the slow-mo in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Paul, you apparently have a, an opinion, opinion on this. Um, I thought all the slow-mo got a little tired. All of it? Even the first point. time? Um, eventually, the slow motion got tired. Everything was slow motion. But that's why I like the Harry fight, because it was just boom, boom, boom. Here we go, here we go. But all it of was the slow motion leading up to it. It was. Like you said, it wasn't very memorable, but I don't think it needed to be. The memorable. villain that does the most damage to this character in his cinematic history just kind of came on the scene for five seconds, 
boom, 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 and did all that damage and to the his life. The entire handling of Dane DeHaan and, and Harry Osborn was poor. Dane DeHaan's handling of his dialogue was shitty. He should have. He should have been the movie. It I should have been Peter, Harry, and Gwen. The entire movie. I completely agree. I I liked the theme that only Peter's blood can save Harry. I was into that. But there was nothing redeemable about Harry. He was just, he played it one note. And maybe that's part of the, the, the script. Maybe that's how much time he had on screen. But he was always a creepy jerk-off that I don't feel the audience could like. And that's and that's why I'm not going to hate on Dane DeHaan's performance because I don't think he was given depth in the script. He was like, alright, you're introduced here, you're a bad guy here, go. But he didn't even deliver those lines good, though. He was alright. Okay. The, well, the weird bad spider dialogue. Spider-Man, you're said, a fraud, made yeah, me want to kill myself. Uh, but that was, was terrible. Lot, there was a lot of that. There were Paul Giamatti, who's an Academy Award winner. Bad dialogue. Yeah. Same with Jamie Foxx. He was bad, but he wasn't supposed to carry parts in the movie. You know, he was just sort of a supporting role. Given more screen time, I have faith that Paul Giamatti would have been able to do something with that. Whereas Dane DeHaan just And that's how I feel about Dane DeHaan. If he was given the proper time and the proper involvement in the movie, other than, we gotta get you in here real fast because we wasted two-thirds of this movie on Jamie Foxx. We gotta do this real fast. If that had spent time building up the friendship between Harry and Peter, it would have made it so much heavier when Gwen dies at the end. You could have even had a little remorse from Harry that he caused that at the end. He, he was just a, a magneto of the Spider-Man. At universe. that point, he was just a raving lunatic that right. didn't ever brush his teeth. Yeah. Like, who gave a shit about but I don't that think guy? That's, I don't think that's a Dane DeHaan problem. I think that's a... I think it's a... It's a writer's problem. I think we're just going to have to dig, disagree on that. I just didn't like anything that he brought to that role. But I think that uh, a good option for the film would have been cut out all that... Um, Jamie Foxx. Sure, that. <laughs> but at the at the very beginning, I don't need to see Peter's parents ever again. I really don't. You made a point in the last podcast, Matt, about just being done with Peter's parents, and who gives a shit about that? Instead of that whole montage, the, the whole flashback scene... The whole collage montage Yeah, the flashback. Instead of that, could we have had some Harry and Peter flashback to kind of bring an emotional sense to their relationship instead of three awkward moments while he's on the steps and he's at the door? That kind of felt flat for me. But if you had more of that at the beginning... Uh, it might have glued it all together. I'll go. I hear what you're saying, Ian. I think you're right. Do I think, you smell what he's cooking? No, but I hear what he's saying. And I think you're right that something with a flashback with Peter and, and Harry would have added a lot of emotional weight to the, their friendship it comes later because it does somewhat feel shoehorned in I mean they're like well we haven't seen each other in eight years but that would have made them three when they were friends you know what I mean so um, I, yeah that was a missed opportunity that I didn't even think about the thing with the parents I mean I guess that is kind of what happened to his folks right in in 
the comic books. They, so I mean, it was a playoff they crash. In, they died in a yeah. no, in, in Marvel six one six they, they died, died in a plane crash. crash. Yeah, I don't think that the what I don't like about the Mark Webb version of Spider Man is everything comes back to Oscorp. Everything, Peter's dad, uh, Peter's spider ability. The spider ability is tied to his dad. The Sinister Six, which is coming. Uh, is all Oscorp. There's there's no unique origin to this stuff. That's a little bit troubling, I think. You know, it feels very contrived. Um, however, I am hopeful and, and somewhat confident that they're going to make the best Spider-Man yet uh, for The Amazing Spider-Man 3. And, and the reason is, I think that, that these filmmakers... Are kind of like listening to the criticisms. They they changed the costume completely. Didn't even bother explaining why does it look different. It just does. Whatever he changed it. Best Spider-Man <laughs> costume yet. And and that goes a long way. I was watching bits and pieces from the um, the the Raimi ones uh, over the weekend, and I couldn't believe how shitty that costume looks now after seeing the Amazing Spider-Man two. It's like. This is unacceptable. <laughs> that and, and bad? The Amazing Spider-Man 2 costume is that good. It's perfect, it, I think. It looks just I like I maybe wouldn't the make comedies. the eyes so shiny. And I heard that criticism. But, I, I, yeah. but, but that's splitting hairs. I mean, like... I even like how they've incorporated the Spider logo into it. You know, especially on the back with the longer legs as opposed to the fat, short-legged spider... Um, uh, hey, I say make the comic book reflect the way it is in the movie. It's perfect. It is a great design. <laughs> uh, Dane DeHaan was pretty horrific. Um, he, maybe for a brief second when he laughed, when he first showed up on the scene as the Green Goblin, his initial laugh was a little creepy. And then you see him, and you're just like, oh, man, really? That's Okay, this is the Green Goblin? Again, I'm hopeful that, obviously, he's coming back for part three, that the filmmakers take that into account. They're going to know the criticisms. Okay, those prosthetics that they bought at, you know, Spirit Halloween store for him, and, you know, those fucking false teeth that they got from there, too, and the Aquanet hairsprayed hair... Just isn't cutting it for the Green Goblin. We're, we gotta change him. Don't even bother explaining it. Just change it. Just like you did the original costume. I'll be happy. Everybody will be happy. I think you guys made the comment, too, that Norman laying in the bed dying was the best representation of the Green Goblin so far. That creeped the shit out of me. And I was kind of hopeful. because like, well, maybe these screen caps of Dane DeHaan that I've seen, maybe they don't really represent what it, how creepy it's going to be. Hoping maybe it it's going to be a, like this. I was hoping it was kind of a red herring and it was going to lean toward... Because they were going the way we wanted it to go with Norman. And then they just didn't. They, you know, Norman may not be gone. <clears throat> Apparently in the international version of The Amazing Spider-Man, there's a sequence after the credits, just like there was a sequence after the credits in the first movie where Mr. Fierce is walking through and he walks up... Fierce? Fierce. I think it is was... Is it Fierce? Fierce. Fierce. Is he a comic book person? I'm a Spider-Man guy. I don't know Mr. Fierce. No, I don't... I don't... I think it's an alias. My money is it's Mysterio. 
the way that he appeared in the first movie. I, it can't be Doc Ock because of that yeah. entrance. It's got to be Mysterio. All yeah. signs point to him. Plus, they're obviously gearing up to be the Sinister Six. That's just where my money is. Yeah. And you know you don't want to bet me. <laughs> and we'll get to that in a minute. So, I think that uh, there, there's a sequence where Mr. Fierce walks up to a, a head that's like cryogenically frozen and it's Norman. So, like, they're keeping his head or something. Why wouldn't around. they keep that with the American release? Seems weird. Maybe because they wanted to incorporate the stupid uh, X Men teaser, which was terrible. Yeah, terrible. It, yeah, it was. It was an advertisement right in the middle of the credits. It wasn't even anything. It wasn't a teaser. It was just straight up commercial. Yeah, it, it was. was it was very strange. And, um, but yeah, getting back to Dane DeHaan, I wanted to like him. But it, it was rough. I think he can do better. I don't think he's this bad. I, yeah. He can't possibly be. I've never seen him in anything. Have you seen him in other things, Paul? <clears throat> Only Chronicle. He was good in Chronicle. But maybe. I don't think he was bad in this. I think he was dealt a bad hand. I would agree. And and I would, I would you know, not to go Star Wars on you, but kind of like what Hayden Christensen was dealt. You know, from all accounts, that, that guy was actually a pretty good actor when they hired him. And... We all know that George Lucas did not give him very good dialogue, and I don't think that, that Dane DeHaan had very good dialogue. Um, I like Dane DeHaan. I watched an interview with him today on Jimmy Fallon, totally digging the fact that he's the Green Goblin. He likes comic books. His dad's a big geek, comic book fanboy. Um, so you would think he wants to do the role proud. Uh, and, and I'd like to give him another shot. I'd like to see what he can do, because... My opinion on this franchise has been completely turned around. After this, this that's movie. so weird. It's so opposite of what a lot of people are feeling. I, but yeah. you are—you're a maverick. You go out there and you say things that a lot of people are skeptical about, and say you're stupid. And then, turns out you're right. Well, give us an example when, when something like that might happen. This uh, about. Uh, I'd say a half hour into Amazing Spider-Man 2, I realized that this film would not have the staying power, the word of mouth, the good reviews that it would be necessary to hold off the potential blockbuster monster movie film coming out this weekend, Godzilla. And I will be $100 poorer because they made a shitty Spider-Man movie. Even if Spider-Man had gotten the critical acclaim, I still stand by my original bet that it couldn't have held off a third week for a third... Held off Godzilla in its third week. Uh, maybe not, but maybe if you had the same people that were going to see Neighbors go back a second time for Amazing Spider-Man 2, you would have diluted some of that money... Maybe people would have went to see Neighbors because they were, okay, we have, we've had two weeks of big action. Now we're going to go see, change it up. But now I think it's going to be back to big action. Godzilla looks good. I've never said that Godzilla looks bad. I just questioned the audience that was there. Yeah. I think people are going to go see Godzilla now. Well, you were worried about... So, for those that don't know, that, that if this is... And how couldn't time, you if you tuned in... Because we talk about 50 plus episode. episodes in. But... Uh, if this is your first mix sauce, Ian and I made a bet 
uh, roughly two months ago, a yes. month and a half ago, that Godzilla may or may not be the number one movie the weekend that it comes out in the United States. And um, I said that it would. Ian said that I was stupid. So we bet. And um, in what? Five days? We'll, we'll have an answer. We'll know. I think we already know. I'm reserved to the fact that you, you've, you're victorious, and uh, and that's okay. I almost feel bad that I'm gonna take your money. Don't feel bad. That's it was a lot a, of money. It's a gentleman's bet, it, sir. It is a gentleman's. And I am nothing. Not a gentleman. I suppose so. Yeah, you are a gentleman. Now, Paul. I don't. I, with that statement for for the last two months you've you've sided with Ian on this bet you said I'm I'm holding on to my original statement you felt like like he was in the right do you still feel that way like the venerable Captain Steubing when the love boat was sank in the final episode of the love boat is that what happened no but it's more dramatic this way I'm going down with the ship whoa I'm gonna stick by my guns. I'm gonna say, you know, nothing's nothing's done until the numbers come in. So that's true. I'm gonna say, yeah, yeah maybe, just maybe Spider Man can still, I'm, still pull it, it out. I'm feeling bad about it. I wish everybody felt about Amazing Spider Man two, like Matt feels about it. Hey, and you can't say I didn't support the movie. I went twice. So, and and I liked it. And I wish it was doing better, but we're still going to get an Amazing Spider-Man 3 no matter what. I have a question about Harry real quick. You know how we talked about Falcon and, you know, the learning curve on the Falcon wings? How did Harry learn to fly the... It was absurd. I I feel like these Spider-Man movies kind of sway a little bit more toward the... I don't know, the comic booky style. Like, you just kind of roll with it a little bit. You kind of accept the world that they build for yeah. you. Well, see, I think the the suit that he was in keyed up with his biology so well that it that the glider becomes more of like a extension of him it instead was, of having yeah. to learn a piece of machinery like Falcon did. I, I yeah, know what you're saying. I, I guess, but um, it just it was a stretch. But again, yeah, it's you know, rationalized, ra- total rationalization on my part. Yeah, but. It, it was really absurd how quickly he became the Green Goblin. He shot himself with the serum, mm-hmm. right? And then he, like, crawls, just so happens, crawls to the glider. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, he, he puts the suit on just like that. like Yeah, like, oh, I've done this before. Right, what prompted you to do that? Yeah, those are a lot of leaps of faith you just have to roll with. Otherwise, you're going to get bogged down and get pissed off and not enjoy yourself. I was able to... To do that, yeah, I I, I was already so stuff. bummed out with so many aspects, though. Couple things, real quick. Number one, um, Electro, you guys hated him. There, there was some cringeworthy dialogue on his part. You know, like let's go catch us a spider. The worst one though is it's my birthday now. It's time for me to blow out my candles. Oh, that's terrible. Because like, there's a pause before that when he goes, "It's my birthday." And I'm like, yes, so? You keep fucking saying that. And then it's time to blow out the candles. That was rough. That was really bad. The the problem I had with Electro was that he didn't really have a motivation to be Spider-Man's enemy. It was really, really thin. 
it was more keyed up by that weird techno music in the background where it's like, he hates you, we hate you, well, he had you a attack of, him, or whatever the Before fuck he became Electro, he had some major psychological issues. He was a weird cat. He was a weird he cat. Was, and I made the comparison on the last episode. He was one of those kids that is picked on and ridiculed by society or you know his school, and then he finds his dad's gun. Now he's got power. Now he's relevant. And he goes and takes out all that hatred and anger on society or on a specific target at school. It was the exact same thing. I liked it. I thought it was actually kind of cool. Yeah, I don't know. It felt real thin that he would be that fucking invested in hating Spider-Man who made him a birthday card in his brain. Yeah, but like he was... I love that they established he was so off his rocker like when he opens the refrigerator and he he had already baked himself a cake but he's saying it's from Spider-Man. It's like creepy. Paul, I listened to the music many times. I just gotta bring it up again. It wasn't that bumbling. I went and listened to the Otis music from Superman. It's it's significantly like less silly than Otis stuff. Um, It's clarinet and there's a little bit of like a weird sound with a clarinet but, like, it, it transitions really slick, I think, into when he becomes Electro. I think it's fantastic. I had such a big problem, the problem with the, like, when the he chanting. becomes Electro. It's the bumbling yeah. Otis music. In the it, it wasn't that prevalent. It, was just it sucks. It's no, bumbling. It, it was actually awesome. When he's, when he's Otis, mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. That whole character is ridiculous. He may be my worst, my least favorite character in a comic book movie since Arnold Schwarzenegger in Batman Forever or Batman and Robin, I, I he felt was like fucking awful. Once he was Electro, better. Like when he's when they're in the bad. the first, he doesn't know how to control his powers, and Spider Man's trying to talk him down. That's good, and then he kind of gets silly again. But all the Max Dillon stuff or Max whatever the fuck that waste of a character's name is terrible. I didn't have part of the movie. I didn't have a problem with you guys mentioned the look and. Dom was really upset with the the look of Electro. That was the best part of Electro. I thought that was a real redeeming thing, was the the, the actual look and the presence of the character. That was fine. But I everything agree. else, the, the things that came out of his mouth, his motivations for hating Spider-Man, those things were all poorly done. I think Electro was so cool looking, I wouldn't hate it if that's the new look in the comic books. Which I think they are kind yeah, of... Yeah, I mean, I, I'd be okay The new look in the comic that. books is even more ridiculous than the blue... Outfit. There's nothing wrong with it being blue. Because now understand. he has... He looks like he's just a regular bald guy, but he has, like, a scar in the shape of the star electricity thing on his face. Oh. It's silly. I need to see it. I haven't seen it. It's in that Amazing Spider-Man number one. Okay. I haven't read that yet. But, um... Yeah, I, I thought his look was just fine. I liked him as Max Dillon. I liked when he was at work, and and the his boss like makes fun of Spider. He's like, "Yeah, and I'm Spider Man." Yeah. And then in his head, he has that moment where he grabs him and he's yelling at. I him. like that moment. And it flashes like back to reality, and he's just like, "Oh, okay." But I again, I gotta agree with Paul. If it was a more intimidating actor, because we know that B J Novak is just a goof in the office, you know, it's fine whenever he's undermining Michael Scott. But if it's something a little more serious, I don't think he was all that functional in that role. He didn't feel menacing. It was a peculiar choice, but he does come off as a a douchebag 
in everything. In the office, at least. Yeah, yeah. And, and he was a douchebag here. I don't... I mean, that's exactly what he is on the office. He was a prick, but I think you needed somebody that was mean. Like, the, he was just a prick and playing it up for laughs with everybody else jokes on you. And I guess that's what they were going for. I feel but like it would have hit home better maybe. if there was okay. just more menace. It was like the addition of Thomas Lennon in Dark Knight Rises. Who? The guy from the state and Reno 911 when he plays Bruce's doctor. Or was it in Dark Knight? It's uh, Dark Knight. Um... Because you expect uh, rises. rises. I was going to say expect rises. That actor at all to be times silly, and yeah, he was to talking to him about his knee funny. and shit like and that. It just, yeah. just like B.J. Novak, it just pulls me out of the scene because he doesn't belong in that movie. You're expecting a joke the whole time that you're watching him on. And on I'm screen. sure B.J. Novak can play straight man serious. I'm sure Thomas Lennon can do it too. But that is the farthest thing from what they're known from, and it just it just put a different kind of atmosphere into that scene that I didn't like. Do you think he's going to be Mr. Fierce? Because he is like the... That character, isn't it Dr. Smythe or something like that? He's the spider slayer. He's the one who creates the spider slayer. So you think that that's who that could possibly be? Novak? Yeah. No. No? Okay. Maybe, because everything comes out of Oscorp in the Mark Webb version of Spider-Man. But I do have another theory, and then we can move on from Spider-Man. The lawyer... The, the bald lawyer with the hooked nose that Harry Osborne put the gun to. Yeah. Oh, I love that guy. Is that Vulture? Um, He's dead, isn't he? No, so. he escapes. Get, when Harry yeah. injects himself, he falls over, and somehow his shirt melts off him. I don't know exactly how that happened, but it did. He falls down, he starts ripping his shirt off. That dude takes off and runs away. Now, he was in that basement with those Vulture wings. Yeah. You know, and he's connected to that company very tightly, he still is out there, and he looks exactly like the Vulture. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it could be. That's a good theory. I've learned my lesson to doubt you, so yes, it's the Vulture. I appreciate that. And now, how do you feel about the fact that your money has already been spent? Uh, that's fine. It's your money now. Do you you like what I bought? I like Castle Grayskull, so I'm fully supportive of it. I almost feel like I'm I should have bring to, it sometime. I'd like to see at it. it. At least take a picture of it so I can take a look and be like, ah, that's where my stupidity went. Ah. Now, um, anyway, this is you guys are going to think I'm crazy. Okay. I liked Captain America less than I liked Spider-Man. Oh, you are crazy. Why did you like this more? Well, it wasn't... I'm not going to sit here and tell you it was a better movie and list all the reasons, but I will say, just personally, I enjoy that style story, the more intimate, Mm -hmm. character-driven storyline. Yes, I realize the villains were very flawed in this, but I think the hero was so incredibly spot-on with what I like already. I like that, you know, it was... It was a hero's struggle against a villain and all his personal life versus, you know, the world being at stake. Don't get me wrong, Cap definitely got better on second viewing, too. Maybe I'll even like it better on third viewing. But I did enjoy Spider-Man better. There are a lot of good things to say about it, um, but the villains really took it away from me. None of the villains that that made it on the screen, I didn't like any of them. I really just didn't, so... Um, Did who, real quick? I'm sorry. I keep saying we're gonna one more thing and then we'll move on. But 
real quick going around, mm-hmm. who do you guys want as the villain in Spider-Man 3? Well, isn't it going to be the Sinister Six? I mean... I don't know. Is, is this just a trilogy that they're doing, or are they building slowly toward it? Are they going to do, maybe shoot two movies back-to-back? Um, At some point, they got to introduce Venom against Spider-Man, so it could possibly be Venom. Um, I wish they would have set that up in this one a little bit, if they were going to do Venom in the third one. Well, who? okay, who is the Sinister Six going to be? Is Rhino going to be one of the six? Probably, right? Probably. All right, Rhino, probably the Green Goblin, right? Vulture. Vulture, Doc Ock. That's four. Venom. Why do you feel Venom will be one of the Sinister Six? Because Hollywood loves Venom. And, they and haven't they put conf- him in more shit? Haven't they already confirmed that Venom will play a role in the Spider-Man universe? I don't think that you can just roll out a solo Venom film. I don't he know. he has to be at least in one of these Spider-Man movies. I think I think Mysterio is more of a of a safe bet than Venom at this point for the Sinister Six. So that gives us the five. Maybe okay, maybe Venom. I mean, Sandman, to me, has always been one of the members. Venom was never one of the Sinister Six in the shit that I've read. Wasn't he in the Return of the Sinister Six? Wasn't Venom in that? No. Hobgoblin was. There was no Green Goblin in it. It was Hobgoblin. I think that even if he wasn't in any incarnation, Hollywood will try to shoehorn him in there. Yeah. Because it's slated that they're going to do something with Venom. If they're going to expand this universe the way that they want to, Avengers-style, Justice League-style, they're going to need Venom. You know, I, I used to think Carnage was a really terrible character because it's just red Venom, right? Yeah. But if you stop and think about how insane Carnage is as a character... Joining that evil alien symbiote with a serial killer, yeah. that's just like, that's a really bad dude, right? As opposed to just some asshole reporter. Some guy Park. that's mad at Peter Parker. Right. That's basically what it was. Right. He was Which just kind of mad great for the motivation to hate Spider-Man, but okay, we got enough of that in this movie. Between Electro and the Green Goblin, hating Spider-Man, making it personal. Why did Electro hate Spider-Man? Because Spider-Man took his thunder. Yeah. Because Electro finally had his time on the big screen. People were seeing him. Isn't that the most flimsy fucking motivation? Yeah, he's a terrible fucking character. He's (laughs) god-awful. Awful. But he was clearly, before he even became Electro, out of his fucking mind. He was a crazy dude. They've never done that with one of these characters. But do you really... There's gotta be a better way. Do you really think that if you're that fucking crazy... You would get that prominent of a job in a multi-billion dollar company? You know, I asked that question out loud. Actually, I was like, how the fuck did he get a job here? You wouldn't. He'd be a fucking bum on the street. Or he'd be in jail. Because he's a psycho. But I've seen some people that are really fucking weird in real real life at work. Right? And I'm wondering, like... Who interviewed you? Like, how did you pass the interview? Just talking to you gives me, like, the chills. You and know? that's part and of the problem his... I had with Matt Dillon, because I understand that. Matt, we probably know similar people to pull that reference from. <laughs> but they pushed it too far to the point of, now I really don't understand how this guy passed any interview. And the super silly 
I fell in a vat of electricity. Like, <laughs> I mean, that was really dumb. They could have done something different with that. So it just all felt hokey to me. I didn't really like him all I, that much. I mean, I was I was perfectly content with the way that they did it. it it's the way that it's done in superhero movies. Yeah, but does I, I it, didn't have a problem with the vat of electricity. But does it have to be... Like that, haven't we? It was developed a, electricity. Ha, haven't we developed a more mature um, eye to our theatrical versions of our superheroes? Yes. Can't we do? Yes, which is why stuff? he shouldn't be able to create teeth with electricity. That teeth thing was ridiculous. What, so, what, what what villains in more recent movies do we like their origin story better? I, I like the way that Joker's origin story is, where we Doesn't don't have know. One. Doesn't have one. I know that's great. I said origin, not not origin. It is an origin by being not an origin. No, it's not. Come it on, is. give me for real. I like. Wait, what are you asking? Who we like less? No, no, no. Like, what's a better recent comic book movie? Loki okay. has a solid origin story. I was good with Bane. Well, he didn't really have an origin either. I Bane. Mean, Bane had an origin. Uh, they even showed it on screen. Yeah, I guess. I even like fucking General Zod. I even like General Zod better. Yeah. He has a, he has a reason for doing the things that he does on the screen. Did they it show was his, his DNA, but, but that's better than... But these characters become... They, they get powers. We're, we're talking Magneto. about... His reasoning for being a villain. Let, let's, let's... Okay, let me back up. Let's talk about, like... A catalyst for making them a villain that gives them their power, right? Because we're talking about like Batman villains, and that's kind of not. So, what villain was a normal guy and got powers that we accept more like, than the vat of electricity? Like, like Whiplash. That's in, the question. In Iron right? Man Two, like something like. But that. that's still said. He didn't get his powers. He because got machinery. Yeah. Because Stark's dad and his dad didn't get along. I mean. I may not be remembering it properly, but I don't think I had a problem with um, Sandman and Spider-Man. Yeah, Sandman was fine. Doctor Octopus yeah. is probably one of the yeah. best examples. They make those uh, the tentacles sort of like a character in themselves. That's a great. The tentacles make Doc Ock evil. Yeah, and that's good. That's great. I the like coming Flash getting his powers in the new Flash series. If he was a villain, yes, you're right. Right. <laughs> Okay. Well, anyway, I, I'm fine with with electro. I didn't have a problem with the vat of electricity either. It was and, super. And it was special. I thought, electricity. I thought it was actually kind of creepy when he's in the morgue and they're getting ready to cremate him, and all of a sudden he like jolts to life, falls on the floor, and all of, like the ash and shit crumbles off of him, and he starts just walking out of it, and the electricity starts coming through. Cool stuff. A little bit scary. A little bit. A little bit. Anyway, we do have other things to talk about, do we not? Do we? Paul? Yeah, yeah. We're, we do. We do. Were we going to talk about Gotham? They released a um, teaser I promotional picture. Teaser. Did, um, no, they, the trailer. I haven't seen the trailer. I've seen the picture with all the characters. You didn't watch the trailer. I didn't watch the trailer. I didn't even know until right now. Folks, we are taking a second pizza break, but this is a trailer break. We will be right back. And we're back from Ian's first viewing of the full Gotham trailer premiering on Fox this fall. Ian, 
right out of the gate. You haven't said anything. Go. What did you think? I liked it. Okay, Matt. <laughs> We've had time to process this a little bit. We saw it a few days ago. Yeah. Do you still like it? Yeah. I like I like it a lot. Yeah. And I don't know how they're going to be able to keep this kind of that kind of product value going for an entire season because that trailer had some bells and whistles. It looked sharp. I'm not even going to lie. I got a little goosebump there whenever brought out some of the stuff at the end going through all it the was, before it was the penguin, before it was Poison Ivy, and before it was Batman, there was Gotham. It was very theatrical. Um, I got a sense of um, like a Boardwalk Empire type feel to it. Mm-hmm. That the you know Gotham's always been like the unmentioned character in Batman stories, and I feel like that's what this show is kind of that's what they're leaning into, like Boardwalk Empire does with the Boardwalk. It's this you know this unspoken extra character in the show. And uh, I like, I think that's a smart way to, to go about it. If you're going to have a big looming entity in the show and you're not allowed to use Batman, use the city itself. I doubted it for a long time. I thought that the best way to do this would be to have it taking place during the time when Batman is the Cape Crusader and you can use some of those villains. But maybe this is the, this is the right way to go. Just real crime-centric, the dirty underbelly of Gotham City, all the gangsters and the slime, and um, the Bullock says, you know, have, have you killed anybody? And he, Gordon says, this, it, it was war, and he said, this is war, and that's, that's a really good moment there. It really describes the feel of uh, what they're going to go up against in the show. I'm with you sharply. I agree. All right. I like it. Um, uh, however, the production value, wild good. Like you said, Paul, pretty slick. Looks like a lot of it's shot on like some green screen. You know, really kind of like do some of the things that a TV show might not quite have the budget for if you're using like real scenery and everything. Plus, <laughs> I th- think they're really trying to make Gotham <laughs> really the main character, really the standout of this story and um, I I can't help but feel like and I, I've made this criticism about other superhero TV shows it feels like a very well done fan made trailer for like a fake movie that's coming out or something everything from the music to the way that it's kind of cut and the effects and the fact that it's a lot of green screen type CGI-ish sort of backgrounds and stuff. I mean, it looks cool, but it still just doesn't look quite cinematic. It looks just, something's just like just a, a shift off. And that's that's my biggest criticism about it, is that it looks that trailer looks great. I don't know how they're gonna translate that to twenty-four episodes of an entire TV season. Yeah, because in a short, you know, couple minute shot like that, yeah, you can cut all that. You can shit pick in. and you choose. You can put the score with it, but um, it's 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 going to lose something. It's a network television show. I still give it a two point bump with the trailer. The chair trailer two point, two point swing. swing. I was kind of indifferent to it, and now I'm excited to see it. So I think that that preview was effective. 
got me got me excited for it. Um, I've been uh, I've been a big fan of Ben McKenzie for a long time. After big Southland guy, you are right. Big OC guy. Mm. The kid over here doesn't have guilty pleasures. He owns up to all of his pleasures, and seeing Ben McKenzie in the flesh, being a modern Jim Gordon, modern young inexperienced Jim Gordon, I I'm all in. I love it. I can't wait to see him and Donald Logue together. Um, what did strike me a little goofy is, uh, you know, I, when I see Harvey Bullock, I hear the animated series Harvey Bullock. Donald Logue's voice is a little lighter. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be a huge issue, but I think I'm going to have to get used to it. Yeah, but I can't, I can't wait to see those. I think those he was still together. pretty forceful in the things that he, he looks, delivered there. He looks great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that was, I, I like that casting. I like Ben McKenzie. I don't know about Fish Mooney. Hopefully she can pull a, uh, John Diggle from Arrow and, I, you know, become a bigger part of the world. Am I the only one that, like, saw her and just felt a little bit of, um, the Matrix, uh, uh, Naobi or whatever it is? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. And, and just kind of her, her monotone delivery was very, how everybody in the Matrix is just very, you know, kind of flat. That's, I felt like she had a little bit of that going on. Part of me wished that, you guys mentioned Boardwalk Empire, part of me wished that this film, or this show, was something that was on HBO. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's kind of, you know, Matt said it doesn't doesn't live up to that full cinematic quality, and maybe that's why, maybe I'm mistaken, and it looks more like an HBO Showtime series than it does a movie in that trailer. I wish it even had more polish to it than than it does there. Like I think that a HBO show, you could really tell that it, you know, it looks the production value would be a little bit better than that. Yeah, but for for NBA or for Fox, for Fox it looks great, man. I'm thinking what does it compare to? I think Bones has pretty good quality, yeah, pretty good value. Bones is straight up crime procedural. Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah, this is going to have you know that crime p- procedural feel to it as well, but um, like this just it feels it feels different. Yeah, I watch a lot of fucking television. Yeah, and aside from something that's something like Arrow, like this even looks better than Shield. Like Shield looks like bright candy. Like I mean, this looks like it could kick Shield's ass. Yeah, it does. And, you know, ABC, that's a big network. Yeah, but ABC doesn't do a lot of stuff like that. Which, excuse me, Jesus. We're watching Matt balance a laptop on his head. I was just trying to get the old fan away from the microphone. Fans have made comment. What's up with that fan in the middle of the show? We hate that. And Matt responding to fan criticism... As he always does. By farting. Because we've secretly been recording in an airport. So, yeah. I'm excited about it, whereas before I could take it or leave it. Do you uh, you have some polynomics numbers? You said that you had a two-point swing. Yeah, I guess before I was at, uh, uh, say, like a a five, some seven now. And for those of you... Oh, okay. You did the math. We're gonna, we gonna shit on my math here now too. It's two points. I can add two points. Holy fuck! Oh, that trailer looks it, it, it looks good. It, it, 
it has it has a lot of promise for me. I'm I'm excited. I'll probably put my excitement in an eight. Yeah, it's pretty to fucking start high. With this thing. Yeah, and I, it was low. I mean, this this probably got like a five point bump for me. Five point bump. Trailer. You were just in the the basement with it. Because it's it's fucking Batman without Batman. Who wants to watch Batman without Batman? Yeah, but this trailer looks like it might be able to pull off Batman yeah. without Batman. You don't see them in the trailer, but um, Christmas Allen and Renee Montoya are going to be series regulars. So they're really fleshing out the world of Gotham, and if we know. Nothing. We know that in the years, the world of Batman is chock full of different characters because, heaven forbid, it just be Bruce and Alfred fighting crime. Anything else? Uh, I would have to give it a... I'm going to say... a five for expectation... I actually do not think it's going to be as cool as they made the trailer. I think when you get in the context of everything, I'm a little I'm a little leery of seeing it for a full it's an hour show, correct? What was the last trailer that you saw that the film met the expectation? I guess Spider-Man. But weren't we down on the last couple trailers though? We I don't know if we, we were Spider-Man down Spider-Man fatigue. We we liked the trailers, but then there was all the many promotional stuff. I guess Cap for me that was the last trailer that I was amped for that I liked the movie. Mm. Right for me, I guess it's got to be Spider Man. I I don't know. I can't think of Cap. Man of Steel. Yeah, the last trailer that came out that I had a boner for. Probably Man no, of Steel. No, no, no. That, that's. The, the last trailer that you were amped for, but then the movie came out. and You like Captain America, and you were excited yeah. about that trailer. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully. Marvel movie, by the way. Got you there. Hopefully, fingers crossed, Godzilla will be one, because the trailer looks badass. Yeah, it does look pretty good every time it comes up. I like the slow kind of lead-in where it just has Brian Cranston talking about... Um, ab- about the event that's going to take place. Um, it kind of leads up real slow, and then it goes right into monster mania and smashing buildings and everything. I'm excited to see Godzilla. It'll be good. Me too. I'm still double fives. Double fives on Godzilla. Yeah, I'm lukewarm. So, but I'm not a monster guy. And I apologize to Matt. I'm not trying to be oh, snarky no, or anything. Okay. I'm just, you just have a very sincere thing. face right now. So. That was pretty sincere. That was about It was almost sincere. overdone. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, That's the, most of the time. I'll, I'll you know, bust your balls about some prequel shit. But I don't want it to... Because I'm the only one in remaining defense of Spider-Man on week three. I don't want it. I don't want it to sound like I'm putting down Godzilla because I'm, you know, I sticking think to my guns over I, here. I can't hold with Spider-Man, but I think neighbors might have a shot to kick and push and maybe, maybe. But that is the movie that's going to do it. It's not going to be Spider-Man. Yeah, neighbors will have to get incredible word of mouth. I mean, but it, that's what it's doing, though. People are enjoying it. You will go online. It, you know, spanked Spider-Man. Everybody's excited. Great frat movie. The next great R-rated comedy. I suppose so. It's a bold statement. That's not me saying it. It's 
Box Office Mojo? Yeah, I realized that. And I looked at Box Office Mojo, too, and... I mean... That website that I introduced you to, right? I go there all the time now. But, I mean, it... These R-rated comedies keep doing better and better because they keep raising ticket prices. I mean... Can we say that about all movies? Sure. That's why these movies keep doing better and better. (laughs) That's why we're talking about $2 billion box office smashes. How 91 million was... Okay. For Spider-Man yeah. opening weekend. <laughs> um, and, I mean, I think, you know, 92 million was actually, I thought, pretty good. It's just that 30, they raked in 37, so that was a 59% drop off. That's what? significant. That's, that's really crazy that it fell off. But I understand why. Just no real yeah. support, secondhand support, uh, besides yourself going back out and seeing it. Yeah. Um, Who would have thunk I'm the champion that's trying to get people to go see this movie? Everybody goes right, you go left. Godzilla, on the other hand, is already getting good reviews. It's, it was that's like good. an 88% when I saw in Rotten Tomatoes. Um, IGN gave it a 90, so it sounds like it's going to be okay. What do we think about... Spider-Man having an effect on X-Men. Now, I was completely wrong. I thought that there was going to be a big swell for superhero movies coming off Captain America, going into Spider-Man. I thought that could only help it, and it didn't really have any kind of effect. Being so close, these movies are a couple weeks apart. Do we think that Spider-Man's kind of so-so, you know, debut is going to have the same kind of effect on X-Men or no effect at all? Paul? Oh, that's a tough call. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't, for me, like, you know, Spider-Man bummed me out. It didn't live up to what I expected it to be. But I, I'm a comic guy, so I understand that the Spider-Man movie is entirely separate from X-Men, even though there was an X-Men ad during the credits. Uh, that has still, something to do with Mark Webb's contract, from what I understand. Yeah, I'm still just as excited for X Men, but um, you know, Joe Q. Public may be like, Ooh, I don't know, this comic book movie stunk. Maybe I'll wait to hear something about X Men, or maybe I'll go see it second or third week. I'll go see that sci-fi movie later on in the summer. What is it? Guardians of the what? I'll go see that. There was a Guardians of the Galaxy reference on some show I watched. Yeah? This week. I forget what it was, but it was out of the fucking blue that they would reference Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, the movie was already out, and it was already a household name. It's like somebody played that episode a couple of months early. Oops. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry that that's anticlimactic, and I can't remember what it was, but I was shocked when I heard that reference. And it wasn't even something like Big Bang Theory. It was something that shouldn't have been referencing yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. The People's Court. <laughs> uh, I think that the X-Men's success is somewhat contingent on reviews, honestly. I think people might be a little bit, you know, hesitant because maybe they feel like they were a little burned. And I think also the reviews were influential in the way Spider-Man performed. Um, but I don't think that'll necessarily translate well to people waiting a week or whatever. But they're gonna, you know, check it out that week, see what the reviews are. If the reviews are poop, maybe they'll 
again, it could be very successful and then have that huge drop-off, but if the reviews are positive, it'll probably outdo Spider-Man. You know, I still think the X-Men is a, is a substantial name, even if the movie continuity is a clusterfuck. Which is great, because it reflects the actual comic book to a T, right? Exactly. I mean, this movie is just like, yeah, yeah, we killed all these people. Sure, that dude was crippled at the end of the last movie, but forget all that shit. We're just going to go with it. That's because it's Brian Singer. Well, there was, um, you know, and even even the cast is, is in on it. Uh, did either of you see the interview with some of the cast on the Today Show? Patrick Stewart was there, and Robin Roberts says, well... Patrick, Professor X was killed, and he was vaporized at the end of X-Men 3. And Patrick Stewart smiles and goes, Well, Robin, there's vaporization, and there's vaporization. <laughs> so, you know, they, even, you know, they even understand the tongue-in-cheek nature of what these movies are all about. And, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's comic books. It's, it's fun. For as much... For as nerdy as we are and for as sticklers as we can be about some bullshit like Electro's teeth, they're not made of electric, you get this stuff like this and you're like, alright, it is what it is. It's comic book stuff. How does Harry know how to pilot that glider expertly? He just does. Yeah. That's fine with me. It's just real, it's just real easy. It's super talk. easy. Is, you know, I think a, a lot it. of the times if, if the story is there and the characters are there... And God willing, the acting is there. I can overlook that kind of detail. I really can in just about anything. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm still excited for for the X Men movie. We'll we'll see how it goes. Was there anything else you gentlemen wanted to, to talk tonight? Well, uh, this is a comic book podcast. Is it? Have, have either of you read any comic books? I've read some comic books. I've read a few comic books. I read um, I read Future's End, uh, number zero, the free comic book day issue, and I read uh, number one, the actual start of DC's new weekly series, and uh, I'm pleased to say it reminded me a lot of 52. Uh, the big four writers on it are Brian Azzarello, Dan Jurgens, Keith Giffen, and Jeff Lemire. All four of them are accomplished comic book writers, they, they know what they're doing. Um, Patrick Zercher did the artwork for the first issue. It's fine. You know, I don't expect um, Todd McFarlane quality art every every issue on a weekly. Uh, but it was, a, it was a good start. They're using um, Grifter, Firestorm, and Batman Beyond. They're bringing Terry McGinnis into the current DCU. Uh, it has the same feel of 52 as they're not using the big heroes. They're using you know, some B-list and C-listers. And I think that's going to develop a much more interesting story when you're doing a weekly book for a full year. So, um, so far, one issue in. It's early, but I gave it two thumbs up. I even like Grifter, and he's an old 90s character. Yeah, from, some Image guys. From Image Comics? What's more hateable than that? Nothing. Nothing. That was for you, Matt. Is that one of your... Was was a patented that zinger. Zing, zing. Drink that pop. Mm. Seductively. Was that seductive? You almost put that whole can in your mouth. Ooh. It's very we, Bonnie Rotten of you. That's what we call Dom. Dominic Pop, pop Can Yossi. 
And did you read anything? I read, even while on vacation, I was able to read a comic book on my mobile device. I read Sex Criminals by Ed Brubaker. What what prompted you to read Sex Criminals as opposed to any other comic book out there? Boy, do I like sex, and boy, do I like criminals. It had everything. Huh. Um, story about... Now, yep. That, mm-hmm. that cover mm-hmm. logo area... Is it just my sick mind at work? But and and granted, this is a, an audible medium, so bear with me, listeners. But is it just me, or is the image eye a clit? And the way that these rings overlap are kind of like a pussy, and then below the number one might be like a butthole. Totally is. Okay, it's a butthole. And pussy cover. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Paul, I feel like you should weigh in on this matter. I like it. I want to put my tongue on it. Please don't tongue my iPad. That would be unfortunate. Mm. Now, so- now, did anybody else get that looking at it? Or was this something that just my incredibly keen eyes picked well, up? Well, you know, the, you know, it the looks image, pretty dirty. It looks dirty. The image eye is also clearly the clitoris. Yeah. It's it's a pretty dirty looking image, and there's. I didn't I didn't read this issue though. I have a pro, I have a problem with sex criminals because it seems so over the top and in your face. But it really isn't. It isn't. Well, just the name "sex criminals" is that what gets you? Just I, I the fact that they're trying to hide what this cover is all about. They're really but, not though. It kind yeah, of but they're it. not. I mean, it's, yeah. that's it's right there. It's filthy. Yeah, it's filthy. And to the point where I don't think that this first issue, until Comixology changed over the, the... They went away from Apple, and you can purchase it directly through Comixology. This first issue wasn't available until now, because it didn't meet those standards. Kind of like... Really? Yeah, kind of like how Saga, the one issue of Saga, was taken off of mm, the... Right. The uh, digital marketplace because of sexual content. Really? Yeah, so, yeah. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the dick on the TV screen. Yeah, I couldn't buy this until very recently. Weird. Okay. And tell us what the plot of Sex Criminals. Is. Plot of Sex Criminals is a young girl Susie discovering sex Ooh. and has she's in the bathtub has an orgasm finds that she can stop time. Um, goes to a place called The Quiet. Thinks that she's the only person that can do this and starts to... She has a, it, it, The beginning kind of has a lot of questions about um, how do you bring up sex with your parents or your friends, things like that. Um, she discovers that this is something extremely unique. She's going to have to do some research on this. Doesn't really find any answers. Grows up her entire life kind of utilizing this power just to have time away from her alcoholic mom and her awful uh, the awful students at the school that she goes to how long does time stop it it differentiates and she uh, she catalogs how long it stops the things that she comes to might change the amount of time that stops and she kind of takes a journal when she has this journal that she kind of now if if Bonnie Rotten had this ability. How long do you think time would stop then? Oh, it would be stopped 
constantly, I would imagine. Bonnie Rotten would live in the quiet all the time, ah, okay. judging from that picture that we saw earlier. It seems like it seems like the whole book was put together on a drunken conversation Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky had at the bar one night. What if you came and time stopped? Let's build a comic book around it. It seems it, it seems like a, a novelty. Those that are afraid to broach those subjects or get involved with it, I understand your apprehension, Paul. It seems like a, it's, it just seems like a hook. It doesn't seem like there's any real story behind there. It just seems like a funny idea these guys had, and they're just seeing where it goes. It would seem that way if you didn't actually read it or know what happened in the book. I you, you've told I me imagine. what happens in this book. Does it still seem that way? Still seems that way after there is some. She meets somebody else that also has these powers, and they go on and. I've only read one issue, but it's still intriguing to me. Yeah, the hook seems silly. It's is it any sillier than falling into a vat of electricity? Yeah, I would have to disagree. Just, be, with just that. because it's it's sex and the sex part of it is so out there, it's like is that, it's like they're doing this that, just to just to do this. Does that make it not valid though? Just because it's sex? I'm not saying it doesn't make it valid. I'm sure there there's someone out there that this book is moving to pieces on an emotional level. Like, this book is speaking to them like no other book ever has. But for me, it just seems like a cheap ploy for these guys to use. But not as cheap as the book that's just called Sex, which isn't about anything about sex. What's it about? It's about sex. Is it? The book Sex? Because I thought the book Sex was about a bunch of other stuff, and the sex was a very small part. I don't really know. But, to the wiki. <laughs> I think that you know some people are satisfied with you know you get your your alien heroes, your your Dark Avengers, your Spider Man. Maybe you want to try something different. This is an age where we can expand what we do. There's no comics code. We can try some different things out. We can talk about sex shit. We can put a clit on the front of the book. So I don't think that there's anything well, wrong they, with it. They did that in a very subliminal way, and, and it took my perverted eye to um, to catch it. I mean, did you? See well, that? you did. You did bring us Bonnie Rotten. So I did. You know what else I brought you? I brought you the book that I read over this weekend, and it's a new one from. From our dear friends at Image Comics. Ah, yes, the Accursed Image Comics. The Accursed Image Comics. You know, the company that tries new and different things. Is this one about a power ring? No. Is this one about an Amazon made out of clay? I like how I'm being chastised as though the only things I read are superhero comics. Because it is. That is untrue, and you know that is untrue. For the purposes of my argument, it is not. Exactly. <laughs> Nailbiter? That's so Matt Casal of you. <laughs> the man who's always right? I'll take it. I was just right this one time. Well, hey, I haven't even been right yet. I, that's why I'm building it up, so if it falls apart... If anyone is having problems with the, up, the upgrade to Mavericks... Please let me know so we can sympathize together because I'm gonna fold my computer backwards. But this is an old up. Like Mavericks is an old thing from like last year though. Mm-hmm. I only did it like a week ago. Oh. It's fucking killing me. 
What were the uh, the system specs for it? I don't know. I just upgraded it. Oh. You might need additional upgrades. If you just did the, Maybe the big upgrade, you might need more, more RAM. RAM or something. Everything's upgraded. What do you What do you have on there? I don't know. This is, your, not good, this is not good. That's ready. okay. No, let's go with it. What are your problems? Because I know it's, we have tech people it's just, it's in the slow. audience. It's just really fucking slow. How many, what, go to About My Mac and tell us how much memory you have. Eight gigs. Eight gigs. Eight gigs should be plenty to run that thing. I'm having some, you know, web page issues. Everything is taking fucking forever. That's a nightmare when you're trying to rub one out too sweet. <laughs> so bon- Bonnie Rotten's page is not loading. So comic fast. Comic Vine isn't loading. You rub one out the Comic Vine? <laughs> I was having problems with the Mary Sue. I'm having problems with comic book websites. This is important. I so need very to get strange masturbatory <laughs> content, but we'll go with it. So any of you out there, I know there are many Mac experts that listen to the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. Dom, looking at you. Uh, Dwayne, please. Yeah I, was, yeah, I was thinking of Dwayne. Not so much Dominic Yossi. If you haven't given up on this episode... He's probably asleep by now. Who, Dom? Dom? Yeah, Dom is asleep. He was supposed to guest star tonight, but... Oh, that poor little guy. Yeah. I think he was happy. So, Matt, what do, you, what do you have over there? It looks uh, like an image book called Nailbiter. Yeah, it's an image book called Nailbiter. It's new. I didn't really know what it was. I picked it up. What made you pick up that book? The image I, logo on the, the corner? The image eye, of course. The image clip? I think the cover's fairly striking. Um, and I think it's quite graphic. And I don't mean graphic necessarily in a violent way. I mean graphic in a just eye-catching kind of bold way. However, it is also violent looking. And um, I didn't really know what the premise was, but on the cover it's got a guy, a close-up profile shot of a guy. Is it a girl? Yeah, it's a dude. And he's eating uh, what appears to be his hand, uh, and he's biting the nails off almost to the point of, like, down his to his first knuckle. He's just eating his finger off. I bite my nails. That's not how you bite nails. So, um, again, not really knowing what this was, I just kind of thumbed through it, looked decent, so I started reading it, and uh, as it turns out, it's a story about um, a town called, um, shit, I forget, Buckaroo, I think, Buckaroo, Of course it Oregon. is. Buckaroo? Isn't that the name of the town? Um, I'm, I'm just saying, yeah, it is Buckaroo. Buckaroo, Oregon? Mm-hmm. And uh, what, what's significant about Buckaroo, Oregon, is that it is uh, the birthplace of, I think according to this, the first serial killer in U.S. history, as well as 16 other, uh, or including this one, but 16 total serial killers. Small town, and, um, and they, they have uh, the final one. They introduce on the second page of this book is known as the nail biter, who is very very contrived uh, description for a serial killer. But it says um, his mo was to kidnap innocent men and women who had the habit of chewing their fingernails. Warren would keep them captive until yeah, that's you. I know. until Shit. his victims' nails would grow back. Uh, and then chew their fingers down to the bone before ultimately killing them. Suspected of 46 deaths in California alone, this peculiar appetite 
had the press give Warren the nickname of... That's right, the nail biter. See, that seems to me like another premise where these these guys were talking and they were like, what if some crazy serial, serial killer just kidnapped someone and ate their fingers down to the first bone? We should make a comic about it. And then they built the comic around it. It doesn't seem to have a whole lot of... A whole lot of substance. I can see why you're beyond, getting agitated with him when you're trying to talk that, about sex criminals. Because you know, we got expert McGinty who's read all good of Good old the- television hey, McGinty. I'm not, I'm not here to say, oh yeah, that looks amazing. No, no, Just no. Based and on we, the cover. no I'm we, here to give my opinion. That's and my fine. opinion is that both of these books seem contrived based on the basic ideas of what they're about. What's this book about? It's about a serial killer that bites people's fingers off. What's sex criminals about? Well, it's about some criminals that have some sex. She has sex. Yeah, just uh, like the Flash. He and goes I, really fast. And I could be wrong. Just like Superman. It might have some substance or to it. Batman. But I don't believe that either of these books have a whole lot of Because sense. you don't want to give anything a chance. That I'll read isn't it something that tra- tried I'll and true. I'm up for anything. I'm not Ian Sharp. You're not up for anything, gonna, though. Who's going to not read a book after one issue? I will read anything if it, you want. If it doesn't entertain me, why would I keep smashing my head for 52 weeks and buy something that I hated? Why would I do that, Trinity? Why would I, I do that again? Batman Eternal. I'm sure you're going to get that. Batman Eternal's garbage. Oh yeah. You know how much of it I've read? Zero. Yeah. <laughs> so leave. You're right. <laughs> so leave your iPad here, and I'll read Sex Criminals. I will not leave Nailbiter here, and I'll read Nailbiter. And if I'm if, if I'm turned, if it hooks me, I'll be the first to admit. You know what? Maybe there is a little more depth to this book than I thought. Could be. But the problem is, once I read them, and I'm like, yeah, these are dumb. All, all, all your, you two idiots no, are going to no give me... No, we're not! No, we're not! What you're going to give me is, oh, of course, just to support your argument. You, no, of course you, you're not going to like you, it. You have given things a chance in the past. You're just pulling the really tunnel vision thing right now. That's all. Right. Because that's, that's, what, you that's do. what I think. These, they, they look dumb. They look, they look contrived. That's fine. Now, uh, I didn't really get a chance to say anything uh, about what this is about. Why should you? You you told us what it was about. No, I didn't. Uh, I I mentioned how the serial killer, his M.O., but that was page two. There's 20 (laughs) more pages that kind of explain the story. This is Audible, read by Mac. Page three, Nailbiter, chapter one. There will be blood. So anyway, uh, going through, the the book is about a guy uh, who is at the end of his rope. I don't know why, but he's very unhappy with life. He's about ready to kill himself, but then his old friend, partner, something, gives him a call and says, Hey, you need to get out here to Buckaroo, Oregon, because I've uncovered something about the the nail-biter case that kind of, it, it reveals everything. <laughs> Sorry, there's some cat fight going on in the house. <laughs> and we don't not the one between me and Zing! So, um, so the, uh, the, the partner, the friend, I don't know, I can't, I don't remember people's names, gets to this town, and, um, being in Oregon, it's all rainy and depressing, and just, it's got this great atmosphere, can't find his partner. He's disappeared since he got there. Um, 
and he befriends like a cop in the town who like starts to help him try to find uh, his partner or friend, whatever. We don't know exactly what their history is, but um, by the end of the issue, uh, what they decide they have to do is they got to go and check on. Uh, as it turns out, the nail biter killer somehow got off. Right. I think it said he was suspected of killing 47-something people. Well, I guess it was never proven. So, um, in this town, he is being watched, like, constantly by... They have, like, police cars outside his house. I, I don't know if he's under house arrest or what, but he can't get out. And uh, they decide to go and knock on his door and see if he knows anything about this disappearance because, I guess, this guy and the nail-biter killer had a history. Um... So they, they go and check on him, and he answers the door. It looks like he's been cooking humans. Um, by the end of it, the way he answers it, he's holding, like, a meat cleaver, and there's flies flying around, but I'm pretty sure he's just a messy cook. Because as, as I read on, like, the, like what, uh, making chili. the final page, that, that character that went looking for his friend, uh, apparently him and the nail-biter killer are going to kind of, like, sort team up, sort of like... Silence of the Lambs with Hannibal Lecter and, and Clarice, whatever her last name was. Clarice Starling. Yeah, that's it. Jodie Foster. <laughs> that was a terrible impression, too. But, <laughs> um, but she talks. But, that, but that's That the was premise. how she talks. So the premise isn't exactly like what you seem to think it was. It's, it's more of this, like, team up. But, but what was interesting to me about it is that... I kind of get the sense that there are some like long-term aspirations for this book, and I made the comparison that it reminded me a lot of the feeling that I had after I read the first Walking Dead issue. And I remember reading the the final like thing by Kirkman at the end of the book, and he said like, you know, I've always wanted to explore what happens after Night of the Living Dead. You know what what happens after Twenty Eight Days Later? What happens in the weeks and the in the months and the years that go on beyond that? What happens that's, when the nail biter stops biting nails? And that's it what, also could, nail biter could also be describing the feeling. Yeah, right. you know how a nail biter is just intense. It's, it's an intense kind of feeling. The, the, visually, this book looks like it could, could be that. have that level of um, of tension. Uh, you know, it even says here it, it's a it's a mix between Twin Peaks and Seven, and uh, knowing really nothing about Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks, Two Peaks, how fucking stupid! But uh, Seven, it, it did sort of have that visual tone that maybe Seven has. Um, but but what I was getting at with this comparison to The Walking Dead, how it goes on and on. I know you're getting tired of listening to me talk, but <laughs> you're such an impatient prick. <laughs> but. <laughs> That sigh wasn't even awkward. <laughs> it totally was. No one heard that from yeah. you I think it's, it was directly into my ear. <laughs> Sharply felt it. Your so, eyelashes fluttered. It went through they, my they non-existent about, brain and out my other ear. How they want to explore the uh, what happens beyond what you've seen in films and stuff like this. Whereas this movie wants to explore kind of like the nature of the serial killer. Is it is it like a... Um, what makes a serial killer? What What is it about this town that's creating these people? Like, is it seriously like a nature versus nurture thing? And, you know, for me personally, I've always been interested in that. I even did a report in 11th grade on serial killers. I was like, well, what exactly makes them tick? And from my research, it was more of a nurture thing versus a, a nature thing. But 
Um, this book is going to get into that and explore it. So the content material for this is very interesting to me. Uh, I have not been this excited about a new image book since Little Depressed Boy. I wonder who at Image is responsible for giving, putting aloft the expectations of a mix between Twin Peaks and Seven and the blurb for that comic. Well, this is written by Williamson Henderson, whatever his first name is. Um, Joshua. Joshua oh. Williamson Henderson? No, no, no. Williamson, Joshua Williamson is the story, or the writer as some people call them, and the art is by Mike Henderson. And, um... He himself Joshua. is the story. He embodies right. the story. So uh, Joshua Williamson is the um, is the same guy that writes Ghosted, which is getting some acclaim from Image. Uh, I have not read that, but um, but I am very excited for the next issue of this. I have it on my iPad. I'll check it out. Yeah, I have it on Ian's oh, iPad. I'll check it out. Oh, Open minded as I am. Taking a page out of my book. Um, seems like seems like good, strong characters are going to carry this book with a, a very interesting uh, undercurrent of a story. There you have it, folks. Or you could listen to Paul's review. Dumb. Next. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, uh, Ian, welcome back to the Mixed Sauce Podcast. Hey, I'm glad to be back. It was a long week with you gone. You're looking more tan than usual. I did get a lot of tan. Uh, burnt the my my whole forehead and it peeled off, so it was pink for a day. It's a pretty good look. Sad that you guys missed it. Pink like Matt, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, my name is Paul McKenzie. Ian Sharpley. And I'm Matt Cassell. And thank you all for listening tonight. That's my new sign-off. Don't knock it. Thank you all. (laughs) Every one of you. your hearts. God bless us everyone. Get it right.